This morning's scripture reading will come from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses, surpasses all understanding, will guard, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You may be seated. Good morning. Good to see your bright and shiny faces. I'd like to welcome you that are visiting. We have visitors in the house. We're certainly glad that you chose to come out today and worship with us. I'd like to thank the men that were waiting on the table. I thought they did a good job with their prayers. Josh, good to see you here. Josh has been gone a while, and he's back from uh, where he's living up in the panhandle of Texas. Thank you, Brother Drawn, for the fine prayer, for the... Thank you, Jerry, for the uh, scripture reading. It's good to be here for all of us today. You know, I observe by talking to people in and out of the church, as I'm sure you do too, as you visit from day to day, but I have found that this answer is the same within the church or without a, with outside the church, that there is a universal desire for peace. From the most righteous of us to the most carnal of us, we all want that. We all want to obtain that, and that's peace. And stress and anxiety weighs us all down, and when, but when you question people, what do they really want? Peace. And you know, there really are two types of peace that we know about. One is the type that we, divine, that we define in our societies and in our dictionaries. And again, it goes like this, a state or a period of mutual concord between governments or a pact or agreement to end hostilities between individuals or entities in a state of enmity. Well, the problem with this type of peace is that it's temporary at best. It only lasts for a short while, and uh, it shifts with time in individuals and governments. No, the peace that we want is different than that. We desire something uh, that's permanent, something that sustains us, something that gives us a peace of mind, something that we can say, all is well with my soul. Isn't that what we want? And it is. Human nature is the same. It's always, man, we want to be able to go to sleep at night and think everything's okay. And it takes peace to do that. And oftentimes we don't have peace, and so... Let's look at some things about that. First of all, let's look at where peace is not found. It's looked often here, but it's not found here. Let's look at that. There is a term, a modern term, and it's called hedonism. And it's the belief that pleasure or happiness is the most important goal in life. And devotion to pleasure is a way of life. And that's not the peace that the Bible talks about. And that's not the peace that's going to sustain us. But that's the peace that the world seeks after. And unfortunately, sometimes all of us as Christians seek after this type of peace too. Hedonism is carnal. It's fleshly. It's the here and it's the now. And it's condemned by God's word. In Romans 8, verses 6 through 8, says to be carnal-minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life 
and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We have a story in Luke 15, and it's about a man, and he was called, or about a son, and he's, the name of this story is called the prodigal son. And he talks his father into giving him his inheritance while his father lives. And he takes this money and he goes into a faraway country. And it says he spent it on wild living. And we know what that means. He spent it on wild living. And when he finally came to his senses, he realized something. That he had sinned against his father and he had sinned against heaven. And in Luke 18, we have a totally different man. We have a man that's called the rich young ruler. And he was very important. He was a ruler over many things. And he had immense wealth. And his desire, he desired it more than that of being a disciple of the Lord. His love of riches blinded him to true peace uh, that he was looking for. True peace and joy. No, carnal thinking, carnal living... And the love of riches and wealth will not obtain the peace that we're all looking for. We want peace with God, and this is true peace. Mankind has always been at odds ever since the Garden of Eden. You know, recently I had a a woman tell me, I wasn't in the Garden, and I didn't cause that sin that we have all had to suffer ever since then. Well... Romans 3.23, Paul says that all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. And because of this, not only has mankind been at odds with God, but even nature. It says in, um, in uh, Romans 8.22, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And in Matthew 24.7 says, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against that kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. And we see this. If you watch the news, we see it all the time, that there are terrible things that are going on in this world, tragedies. And what do we want? We want peace, don't we? We want tranquility and those things that go with peace. If you're looking for sustainable peace, it won't be found in this earth or earthly pleasures. Second Peter 3, nine. Peter says that this earth and all its pleasures are slotted for destruction. That it's going to go away. That's not the peace that we're going to find. We're not going to find it in this earth. And we're not going to find it in the pleasures of the earth. And we're not going to find it in the things of the earth. But peace can be obtained. The peace that you want and the peace that I want can be obtained if we know where to look. Well, we've looked at where it's not. Let's look at where it is. Christian author C.S. Lewis wrote, God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it's not there. There's no such thing. 750 years before his birth, Isaiah foretold the coming of the Christ child. And he said his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, John 1, 29. That's what we need. Forget about the world and its 
worthless promises, it's hopeless answers. We need God to bring us back into the fold where true peace and contentment is found. Well, God did that. Hello. God did that. And he did it at a costly, costly price. Isaiah 53 and 5 said, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that belongs to us, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. That was the answer. That was how God had to reconcile us. That's how he had to bring us back, was through the death of his only begotten son. And when we see that death and understand it, it's humbling, isn't it? Very humbling that God took our place. God in the flesh took our place. He was 100% mighty God, but yet he was 100% man too. And he would know, because he was a man, he would know us. He'd feel our pain, our temptations, our weaknesses. Hebrews 2, 17 and 18, that writer writes this. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered, when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted as well. So we have a high priest that understands us, knows us, was 100% like us, and he wants us to have peace. But it, we have to look for peace where it's available and the kind of peace that we need. Those of us that know and believe and have rejoiced in repenting of our sins and obeying the gospel... Enjoy the peace that comes from forgiveness. You know, that's where true peace is found, is to know that I'm no longer an enemy of God, but yet I am in God's kingdom. I'm forgiven of those sins. We all know that we sin. We sin today. We'll sin tomorrow. But we are forgiven because of his great love and for his blood and that new covenant that we've made with him through his blood. The reconciliation of coming back to God, this is true peace. And that we all know that we're loved of God. God brought us peace through Jesus Christ. And he calls and demands that we live in this peace. Did you hear me? You know, when we see Christians that go around and they're about as nasty as it gets when they go in the restaurant and they don't get their way. Or they're road raging. Or when we leave this building, if we're no different than the world, where's the peace? You know? And uh, unfortunately, we've seen that in Christians, haven't we? Unfortunately, we might have seen it sometimes in ourselves. I hope I challenge you this morning to do something. I have more to say on this subject, but I want to stop just for a moment and challenge you to this. And you know yourself. I don't know you. You don't know me in this respect. But do you grind all the time? Or are you always waging some internal war inside yourself? If there is someone at work, if there is some neighbor, maybe even your spouse, your children, your in-laws, there's somebody out there that maybe you don't get along with. You're not at peace with them. And I'm going to just put this on an individual basis. Try, try this. Approach this different than your normal way you talk to them and see if 
I think it was in a song titled, Give Peace a Chance. Give it a, give it a shot and see if there's not a difference. I've got much more to say about that as we go along here. If you have differences, resolve them if you can. You know, we have some biblical examples of that. Back in Genesis, we see that Abraham and Lot, they were, these were uh, shepherd men. And they had, uh, they had their, their servants, and they had their families, and they had their flocks. And through the blessing of God, they had become so numerous. And they had uh, ascertained so much wealth in that, with their animals that the land wouldn't even support them. There wasn't enough grass for all the sheep and the goats and the donkeys and so on. And there, it caused a conflict between Lot's herders and Abraham's herder, insomuch that they were fighting and reveling. And Abraham, being the most magnanimous of the two, came to Lot and said, We're brothers. We're brethren. And this feuding and this fighting, it shouldn't be. And it even, they even came to the conclusion to do what? To separate. I'll go this way, you go that way, but let's stop this infighting. Let's stop and let's have peace and let's have tranquility. And so that's what they did. Romans 12 and 18, that is a wonderful chapter in in the book of uh, Romans. But he says there, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, you have some say in this. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live with peace with everyone. And the Hebrew writers in verse 12, 14 says, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Colossians three fifteen says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. That Greek word there in Colossians, to rule, is like our English word, it has the meaning of an umpire. And he says, let Christ make that final call. Let that call be final. Live in peace and be thankful. Noted Protestant missionary in India, Amy Carmichael, wrote these words, penned these words, Blessed are the single-hearted, for they shall enjoy much peace. If you refuse to be hurried and pressed, if you, say, if you stay your soul on God, nothing can keep you from the clearness of spirit, which is life and peace. You know, out of reading that, what really caught my attention there was if you don't allow yourself to be hurried and pressed. I don't know what that means to you, but that really resounded with me because it seemed like, it seems like all my life that I've been hurried. I've been pushed and been pressed, and, and I never had enough time to just slow down and enjoy things. It just seemed like because of work or because of family or raising children or, or so on, just the, 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 the things of life, I always felt hurried and I always felt pressed. What about you? Do you feel that way too? You know, there's a psychologist on television, and you know him well. His name is Dr. Phil McGraw. And he said something, and I have truly practiced this in my life, and I see what he's talking about. And I'll challenge you to do this. If you're having stress in your life, if you don't feel like that you have the peace, if people aren't treating you the way that you ought to be treated, try this, because this really works. He says, by your conduct, the way you conduct yourself every, every day, you 
you, 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 are, you have the uh, power of this or the guilt of it. You teach people by the way you conduct yourself. You teach people how you want to be treated. You aware of that? Every day you teach people. You can say, well, the, I, the, these people are mean to me or these people are this. Or that. Well, how are you conducting yourself in front of them? Because, you know, if you want peace, you want tranquility, you want quietness, then you give it out. There's an old saying that goes something like this. If we do the same old thing, we always get what we always get. If we don't change anything, I mean, who's going to change it? If you want something, then you maybe you have to make that change. And I've often thought about that. You teach people by your conduct how you want to be treated. So if you want to live in peace, then you give peace out. You treat people the way you would want to be treated. You've heard this since you were a little child, but it's true. Treat people how you want to be treated, and it will be reciprocal. It'll come back. You know, and here's something about peace. The reason I'm talking about peace is because of the Bible is so full about it, so talks about it. We want it. We don't want strife in our life. You know, if I said, what is the opposite of peace, we could write this whole board down with, with words. And they would be uh, words that we don't like, you know, strife and anger and violence and so on. We don't want that as Christians. But it's more to it than that. Not only does God not want that for you, he demands that we not live that way. You know, we have to, when, when, uh, when we look at our lives, our lives are in turmoil and disorder. Then you have to kind of look at the man in the mirror a little bit and say, what am I doing to cause this? Because we have more control over that than we think. Matthew 5, 19. Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, those three chapters. If you, if you leave here today and you say, I wish I could read something in the Bible that would really change my life, would really help me. How about go to those three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Those are the Sermon on the Mount. These are some of the most important, life-changing, world-breaking news that Jesus had for all humanity. It was a different spin than they had ever heard in their life. If someone takes your coat, give them their cloak too. What? Someone slaps you on the face, do what? Turn the other cheek. Such things had never been spoken in Israel like that. They went away and they said, we'd never heard a man speak in such a way. Well, you know what he says in chapter 5 and verse 9? Blessed are the peacemakers. That's you and me. We can be those people. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. If you ever want a barometer to see where you're at with your love to God, see where you're at with God, be a peacemaker and you'll be a son of God. Paul's conclusion after writing two letters to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, in the conclusion of 2 Corinthians, he says this. Listen to my appeal, uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. This is one of these promissory uh, scriptures. You live in peace, and the God of peace will be with you. That's a promise. Give it a try. If you're not living in peace, please do, please do so. Please give it a whirl and see if there's not a difference. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Are you living the abundant life of Christianity? It is abundant. It changes you. It makes you a better person. And you can have this if you'll submit your will to his. 
In Romans 15, 33, God is a God of peace. Ephesians 6, 15, this is a gospel of peace. In Isaiah 9 and 6, Jesus is Prince of Peace. You see how important this is to God? We see it over and over in the Bible come up. Live in peace. Practice peace. Be of peace. Have you lost your peace? I asked you that this morning. Have you lost that, that tranquil feeling that you could get? You know, we do that sometimes, don't we? We get uh, caught up in events or worlds, and there's things, that, there's things in this world that do bother us, uh, deaths of people, sickness. But don't let Satan take your peace from you because he wants to. That's his goal in life. That's what he does, and he would like to do that. Jesus said in Mark nine fifty, listen to this. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. He uses the analogy of salt. And we know what the taste of salt is, just a, dad, just a touch of it on your tongue, and it flavors your whole mouth. Just a touch of it on food preserves food. There's so many things that salt does, but guess what? It can lose its saltiness. Guess what? We have peace as being a Christian, but guess what? We can lose it. And once we've totally lost it, it's hard to get back. Just like salt, it's hard to be salty again. And Jesus said, don't do that. Have salt in you. Have salt in your life. Using that analogy to have peace. Well, these words, I just, this is a short sermon this morning. I just want to challenge us. I just want to encourage us because I think it's very important. You know, I've talked to enough of you here and enough people without to know that that is universal. That is what we really want, isn't it? We want to be, I know I do. I want to lay down my head at night and I want to feel good about the day. I want to feel like I served God. I want to feel like I was useful. I want to feel like I helped out in mankind. You know, uh, we have an obligation to mankind, don't we, to make some difference in this world. You know, what, which one of us can go through this world and never make a difference and feel good about that? Well, we can make a difference, and this is how. Be at peace. Reflect that every day in your conversation and in your doings. You know, the next time that you feel like hawking a horn and shaking your fist at someone, don't do it that one time and see if it doesn't change you. See if that doesn't make a difference. You won't look up and say, oh, man, I blew an opportunity to shake my fist and honk my horn. You won't think like that. You'll think about, you know, I did that, and I, my blood pressure's down a little bit. Maybe the next time it'll even be down even more. You know, we need to turn our lives over to Jesus. You know, if you haven't done that, then how could you know the peace that comes with uh, the feeling of being saved? How can you, if you've never turned your life over to Jesus, how can you under, even understand that there is a different way than the way you're living? He wants you to do that. Don't you want to be reconciled to God? I know that I have. I know that uh, many here have. They want to come back to God. And uh, human nature, I think, humans want to come back to God if they only knew the way. Well, the Bible says if we'll confess his name before men, Matthew ten thirty two. he says, those that confess my name before men, the same shall I confess their name before my Father in heaven. But if you won't confess his name before men, he says he won't confess his, your name before his Father, which is in heaven. Luke 13.3 talks about people that perish 
And he said, well, you'll likewise perish unless you repent. We all need to repent of our sins. And then Titus 3.5 says, by the washing of water, we are forgiven of those sins. They're washed away. And having, do this, having done this, we learn in Romans 6, 4, having done these things, obeyed the gospel, we're to walk in a newness of life, a peaceful life. Maybe you haven't had that kind of life. Maybe your life has been full of stress. Do you need us to pray for you this morning? We're here to do that. Is there something you need to share with this flock that meets here? We're here for you. If you need to obey the gospel, we're here to help you. If you need to respond to the gospel in any way, come as together we stand and as we sing.